Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for May 10th, 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And welcome back. We have tons of playoff stuff to get through, but first, um, as always, visit us on iTunes. Give us a good review if you like what we have to offer. Um, it helps get our uh, podcast out there and um, gets us more exposure. So if you can go in there, give it a nice rating, that would be great. Um, Someone's given us one, so whoever that was, thank you very much. <laughs> um, everyone else, jump on board. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be excellent. So um, this week we are going to start with the Penguins, and they are coming off what I would consider a very disappointing Game 5 loss where they could have wrapped up um, the second round at home, waited for the Canadians and Bruins to beat the crap out of each other, and got well-rested, but that was not the case. What what frustrated you the most out of that game? Um, I thought they got away from some of the things they were doing a really nice job with um they just did not pay attention to detail uh, at even strength the last game four they only gave up 15 shots total in the entire game and in the first period of game five i believe they gave up 17 so yeah um, the, the thing that's the thing like when you hear the quotes after the game and stuff you hear everyone even the the media saying Oh, you know, it was lack of effort. That they, you know, New York wanted it more than us. All those sorts of things. And you go, no, 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 no. That wasn't the problem. Your attention to detail, your ability to do the things that got you the winning game four, were what let the team down. Now, if they just go, all we need to do is work harder in game six, they'll lose game six if they play that same way again. It's not. It wasn't a lack of effort that, that did them in. It was their inability to, to keep going with what they were doing. As Bilesman says, get to our game. Well, their game the last two games in games three and four, or four and five, were, no, three and four, were, were meticulous in regards to their attention to detail, getting the small things right, getting their quick passes going and, and getting things out of the zone. The gap control had been really, really good. All of those little things that had been winning them games, they stopped doing. And you just sit there and go, that's the problem, that's the thing that needs to change, not effort. Yeah, and things that we're not accustomed to seeing us that watch the penguins a lot over the last few years was is solid neutral zone play especially with a lead um i know on many occasions you see three forwards back and that middle guys of kenny malkin on the defensive blue line waiting and and stuff like that didn't used to happen and that is totally jacques martin influence in my opinion and I think it's done a oh, great yeah, thing. Definitely. And, you know, they just, they were loosey-goosey. It's, they're up 3-1, they're at home. You know, uh, it was a throwaway like you game. Win, you don't want to see throwaway games in the playoffs, time. but they had a throwaway game. They're allowed one in the situation they're in. Um, they're not allowed anymore. Well, to win four straight would have been hard. Anyway, I mean, New York aren't outside. Like, you can't sit there and go, it was all Pittsburgh's fault. New York did things right and, and, and did things really well. So you, you can't sit there and just poke at all the Penguins being bad. I mean, New York sort of forced them that way. Correct. They played really well, I thought. Mm. I thought yeah, it was more definitely. dictated by New York than 
Pittsburgh not being so great. Um, that New York played like you would expect a team that didn't want their season to end to play. and Which is what you'd like to say. Kudos to them. <laughs> um, full, yeah, exactly. full marks to them. Uh, some of the specifics. Uh, one, one thing I don't like with the Penguins right now is their power play. Um, the New York Rangers, I wrote, were a very terrible power play, and they were. They were 0 for about 36 before they got their two power play goals last night. The troubling thing is those two power play goals are now more power play goals in the series than the Penguins have. And the power play should be a strength for Pittsburgh. They should not be trailing behind a team that was struggling so bad, but they are. And um, it could cost them moving forward if they don't figure it out because... Yeah, but it's a personnel thing. That's the problem. They don't have the right people on the ice. Absolutely correct, and that person I believe we're both alluding to is uh, Chris Letang, quarterbacking the power play, and I do want to preface this. I think Chris Letang has been terrific, fantastic at even strength. He's been, Him and Paul Martin have been outstanding. I have nothing but compliments for his even strength play. Um, I just don't think that Letang has the chops to, to be a power play quarterback, or at least play over some of the available personnel that the Penguins do have on the power play. I, I, I just don't think he's the guy to, to lead the charge quarterbacking it. I, I, we had talked. You, you agree with that, yes? Oh, yeah. It's one of those things. Where it's almost says like every time the Penguins power play turns to mush, it's when Latang's running it. it. It's like he either... It's like he has forbidden things running through his head and he can't make up his mind, so he just picks the last one that comes into his head. And because hockey's a a very fast sport, it's done and then the error's made and the puck goes down the other end. And and Latang's blessed with brilliant physical assets in regards to his speed and his strength. And when he's on the power play, he just gets lazy with his options and and things go wrong. That's why on that five-on-three, I would have preferred to have seen Paul Martin out there um, and at worst, uh, Oli Mata, meaning obviously I would have or taken Niskanen. Niskanen before Mata. Yeah, I, it would have been, well, Latang would have been fourth cab off the rank for me in regards to running that five on three. <laughs> okay, point taken. Yeah, and, and that, that's not a slight on Latang's five on five play. He just can't put it together on the, on the power play, whereas the other three don't seem to overthink it. They just seem to get it to the right people and then shoot. Here are two major things that I have watched over the years with Latang, why I don't believe he's a good power play quarterback. One, he's not assertive and quick with his decision making. There are times where he has the puck up top with the penalty killers running around when the Penguins are moving the puck around nice, and then he'll just hold on to it. And the penalty killers are allowed to get back into their lanes, and that's a time where he needs to either unload a shot or move it along, but he just has it there, and then the other team gets set. And I don't like that at all. Well, that's that's fair enough. I mean, it just... It's frustrating when you know you've got Paul Martin out there at the moment who's playing, I think, his best hockey he's played since he's been a Penguin, and he's not flashy or anything like that. But he gets the job done extremely well. And I think the other thing about 
why I don't think he's necessarily a, a good power play quarterback is I, I don't like his shot. I think his shot's very hard. And I just don't think it's necessarily accurate, and, and I don't think he does a very good job at getting it through. I think Matt Niskanen is terrific he, at getting the, the puck through. He, it's yeah, always, he's the best player on the entire roster to do that. He may not, it may not be on net every single time, but it's literally just a shade off to where a penguin can tip it back in on net, where Latangs are just buzzing people <laughs> up <laughs> their upper bodies and wide. And it just, when Latang gets shots through, they're not tippable. No, and look, that that I suppose it's the thing at times. He might learn as he gets older. Is that you're not on the power play. You're not shooting to score a lot of the time. No, you're shooting. And, and, you're shooting to get it through the first tier of defenders so that you can get puck yeah. luck. Really, and it it feels like when Latang shoots on the power play, he's shooting to score rather than just shooting to get something to happen. And that's what it felt like watching that five on three. Everybody on that five on three looked like because you could tell the five players in the ice knew it was an important time of the game knew that if they scored on the five on three early they would then have a five on four so that they knew the importance of, of getting a goal there and they all pressed they, they tried to find the perfect play and then if it wasn't there they just launched it into a team that was extremely willing to get in the shooting lanes and block every shot yeah. so as much as we're sort of hanging on Latang as well a lot of the other guys on the ice at the same time weren't in exactly the best frame of mind to do well. No, but the way that game was going, there was one guy on Pittsburgh's team that was feeling it, and that was Evgeny Malkin. And five on three screams to me, Malkin bombs, one-timers. Yep. And you need a guy that can free him up for that. And I think Paul Martin would have been that guy. You know who used to be yeah. that guy? Sergei Gonchar. They're, they're similar in a sense in that the, they're brilliant at being simple. They do the simple things right. Very rarely do you see them do... Very rarely do you see them do something stupid or get burnt. The, the, the thing with both Martin and Gonchar, though, is that when they do get burnt, they get burnt bad. Like there are times where you look at Paul Martin and he's been undressed twice in the one move and you just go, wow, that was bad. But it only happens once a game. Very if rarely that, do you see him get out that. of position. Yeah. And it's usually so against you, the best competition. Correct. It's not some third-line duster that's burning. Like, <laughs> like most fourth-liners are blown by Scuderi right now. Oh, that's a... That's a different topic, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So if we move if we move with the the power play, do you think it's just personnel changes, yes. or does there have to be a systematic change no. on the ice so they can still go with what they're doing, yeah. just make sure they've got the right the right two out the back? Uh, Paul Martin or Matt is going to need to, or both need to be on it. Um, the other one I I That's... would change is um, I I think I'd put Neil for Kunitz. I don't think Kunitz has done much with his power play time lately, and. Um, Yes, but I, I don't Kunitz think... is the only person on the team that's willing to stand in front of the net, though. Neil doesn't, and that's why Kunitz is out there. He's I the understand only why he's out person. there. I absolutely, totally agree, but um, it's just for whatever reason. Kunitz hasn't looked right to me all playoffs as far as um, his no, normal self, but I, I, he's probably hurt. He hurt his knee when he ran into the net. 
Yeah, that's true. You'll find it at the end of the year is either got a PCL strain or it's t- slightly torn. Yeah, that's probably very they, true. If they ever give us, they ever give us that information, it's always something I'd love them to have to give out. Is what the injuries were through the playoffs. Well, I suppose I'll segue into our next um, topic with um, it is about James Neal and sh- the Penguins have been playing Crosby, Malkin, Kunitz together. They've been. Outstanding. They are absolutely shredding it. They are living in the other team's offensive zone since uh, the Columbus series when they were first put together. Yeah. But um, Sutter's playing well. Jokinen's playing well. Neil's playing well. But it's not seeing tangible results, and you kind of need those to win playoff games over the course of time. Neil only has two goals. His last goal was that lucky fluke one that bounced over uh, Lundquist, and uh, that was the one that got reviewed when they thought Malkin may have high-sticked it. But James Neal needs to score goals to be effective because that's kind of his thing. He doesn't really... I don't want to undersell him, but he doesn't do much else well. He doesn't do, he doesn't do things well. poorly. He's just kind of a trigger man. And but no one's feeding them and right that's now. That's fine. That's perfectly fine if you're getting the shots, and he's not. And that, that's the thing. He can't create his own shot. He's terrible along the boards. Um, he when he thinks he's being physical, he's just head hunting. There's a lot of reasons to sit there and go. You have to have him with James. You have to have James Neal with Malcolm. Or you know, it's one of those things. One of e- either or. But he's you know it's it's perfectly obvious that he. He's got chemistry with, with with Gino, so you obviously go back to that in the playoffs. It's like you go, well, why can't Stall, uh, why can't Sutter do that for him? Well, Jordan Stall wouldn't be able to do that for him either. He needs someone that creates holes and just gets the puck to Neil and he just shoots. And because he, he can't even get any shots at the moment off the face-off, he's shooting them into players at the moment. So as much as Neil's doing other stuff competently, yeah, he's not playing he needs, bad. Needs he's, to score, but James Neal no, is not. Um, his asset to the Penguins is, is, is his contributions aren't just being pedestrian, doing okay. It's sniping goals. No. <laughs> if the if the if the Penguins want to go anywhere, so if if they want to get past this round and go further on, they're not going to do it without him scoring more at a better clip than he has been at the moment. Yeah, they need to score it better than ten a year. Yeah, that clip right now, just as you just said, is over an 82-game season. His his ten goals. <laughs> it's not. That's Sorry. not James Neal. That's that's not James Neal even with the stars. That's that's really below so average just, for him. He just he needs to pick it up, and you get there, and, and the Penguins have been lucky because they've had that support scoring so far through the playoffs. I don't know like, if he needs to pick it up. They they just need to put him in a better situation to succeed because he is what he is. So cater to that. And I don't blame the Penguins for, for doing the Crosby-Malkin thing in the uh, Columbus series with, hey, De- with Dubinsky doing the great work he did on Crosby. But I don't think the Rangers have a Dubinsky, and I don't think Crosby needs Malkin to have success this series, to be honest. I actually think you're right. If you split both of them up, the puck position, whilst obviously it won't be as high for one line, for two lines I think it would average out and it would be better. So if you look at and you go, you've got Kunitz, Crosby, Malkin, and then you've got Neil Sutter and Jokinen 
I'm just going to reel off some numbers here, and they have 55, 55% percentage average between the two lines. You split them up and go back to what the lines were traditionally through the year, and you might end up with possession of like 57, 58, purely because the, the Rangers don't have the depth to spread across trying to control they have all three lines. depth, but not depth up the middle. So Crosby no. and Malkin shouldn't be too affected, and Sutter might actually, you know, get get to have success in that classic third line role, which has not been the case all year because of the injuries and the fact he's had Glass and Adams as wingers. But that's no longer the case. Sutter and in classic third line role is going to have Bennett, Gibbons, or Stemniak. That's that's a big upgrade. It, it, his his playoff performance has got there, and he's he's been good. He's been really good. He's been he's been more than good, especially in Col- the Columbus series. Yeah, and so that's that's what I mean. Like there've been times where Pittsburgh have got solutions from somewhere other than their stars, and they've got by, and that's all you want. When your stars drop off, you want the role players to step up and just fill that hole for a game or a period to to cover off the, the issue that, that they're having. And that didn't happen in Game 5. And, and you get there and go, well, that's the Rangers. They had that happen for them. You know what I mean? So you get there and go, all right, Pittsburgh just have to be just have to be better next game. I think they will be. I don't know if it will result in a win, but I think they'll be much better. Um, how could they one not? Thing that's not going, <laughs> one thing that's not going to help the Penguins, though, is the fact that all pick is out. Correct. And that means that Scuderi, no matter what the coaching staff might think compared to everyone else off the ice, now can't be taken out of the lineup unless he gets hurt. They're not going to replace Scuderi with England, and they're not going to replace Scuderi with Desprey. And to be honest, I wanted it to be all pick and um, Bortuzzo together. I think um, Bortuzzo is think... the. Go ahead. No, just Bortuzzo's impressed me. With what he's given so far in the playoffs, um, you know, he's only a bottom pairing, but I was concerned about him coming in and being a bottom pairing, and he's been the person to carry Skidari. And I know we can get there and say that's not saying much, but for a guy that's that's young in regards to his NHL career and how many games he's played and how many playoff games he's played, he shouldn't be the one carrying that pairing, and he is. Yeah, no, no arguments there. Um we know Dupre, for whatever reasons, is not an NHL option in the front office or coaching staff's minds for reasons unknown to me. The the Where best, um, but I agree with you. Before Orpik got hurt again, I think Orpik Bertuzzo was the ceiling for the bottom pairing. Yeah. Scuderi's. You'd be happy to give him 12, 12, you know, 12 to 15 minutes yeah. a game if you wanted to lighten the load of your top four. But I don't want to see Scuderi out there more than 10 minutes. And I don't think he's been playing much more than that outside of the game that um, or the, the game Orpik just got hurt and Scuderi played 20 yeah. minutes. But weirdly enough, I thought that was actually one of Scuderi's better games to, to give credit where it's due. But... Um, yep. That seems more like an anomaly than um, what to expect moving forward. Um, the, the, I, I just find it bizarre for a team that's a puck possession team, when Scuderi gets the puck, 
first thing he does is find the boards and throws it into the boards. It doesn't matter what way he's facing. It doesn't matter who's near him. It's usually first on the backhand. <laughs> yeah, I know. But there are times where he gets the puck in a clearing position and he will just shoot it on the forehand straight into the corner. And it's like you do realise that there is someone just there that can skate the puck and skate out. Then they have to go and collect it off the boards and it's a 50-50. And you just sit there and go, surely they can't be telling him that to do that. And, and surely they're not okay with he that. He thinks so why that is puck he... is a bomb. Yes. And he doesn't know when the timer's point. going off, so he's saying, F this, I'm getting rid of it. <laughs> Oh, it's just frustrating to watch, that's all. Because you look at that team and, and everybody on that team wants the puck on their stick. And, and, except for him. He, he doesn't want the puck on his stick. I mean, there are players that you and I don't want on the ice who want the puck on their stick, but that's that's not a problem. They oh, want but, the puck. But if he you're on the ice, I respect want the, puck. the player wanting it on their stick. That's, you know. Correct. He doesn't. You're right. He, he does not want the puck on his stick. And I, I think we probably went over this last week in regards to his sort of tagging out on Scuderi, so I should probably um, lay off and move on to a different topic. But you just sit there with it, and it's just – it's baffling in regards to – it seems like most of the most of the Penguins' Twitterverse want um, to spray in the lineup, but they're saying the coaching staff don't like about him, so he's not. Most of the Twitterverse wants Scuderi out of the lineup, but the coaching staff want him in. Well, here's the thing and with Dupree. Sure, he is not extremely polished to the point where he's some fail-safe, go-to, never-make-a-mistake guy. I get that. You've never said that. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody has. His ceiling's higher. Is his mistake rate any more than Orpic, Bortuzzo, or Scuderi? I don't think so. He's no, big. The he's, willing, he's willing to play physical. This isn't some guy that's not willing to throw the body around. He has puck skill. He certainly can move around. I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. It's kind of baffling, too, because they could lose Niskanen. And by not playing Dupree at all and letting him just play through his potential errors, you're, I don't know, it's just a poor, like, poor job all around. Thing, they get to next year, and he's still an unknown quantity. He could have played 60 games this year, and they go, you know what, we were right. We don't like what he brings to the team. And at the moment, you still don't know what he brings at an NHL level. And that's sort of where they've they've dealt themselves. Because, yeah, you and I both think that Niskanen's going to walk because there's going to be too much money to be left on the table to stay in Pittsburgh. There'll be too much money offered elsewhere for him to go, you know what, I'll take a home team pay cut. No, he should. There's going to be, there's, yeah, there's going to be millions sitting there, and it's like take them. You, you, you can't, you know, he you can't take begrudgingly taking the money. Anybody yeah. who tells that fans that get on players for for taking the money, you know what? Screw that. They take the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, not going. That's... I'm not going to say no to an extra fifteen grand for a job. Let alone Just... an extra mil per year. Correct. Yeah. He's going to get 6 mil, 7 years, 42 mil. That's my guess. And I don't think the Penguins should pay it, given their assets in the farm system. And Derek Puglio, to pray if they ever feel like using him. Scott Harrington, you know. They, they have recoverable guys. assets. Yeah, they do. And if you're going to draft, consistently draft puck-moving defensemen, you're going to have to start playing some of them. And yeah, you can't just keep trading them all for 
the only much. way you can keep Niskanen is if you let Orpik go, which I, I do think they'll do that, and yep. you trade Skidari, which I'm not very confident they'll do that. They should, but they won't. They can't buy him out. Look, the, 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 it's not going to be a compliancy buyout. It's going to be a straight-up buyout, right. and I don't think the Penguins are about that. They've never the, the, been an organization that I feel wants to go that road. So do kind of like the Zabenic McCulloch. Trade him somewhere where he wants to go. Don't get much back and just wash your hands of it. Because yeah, get, get the cap spice back. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. If you go back into my articles from Hockey Buzz in, in July when they made the signing, I very supportive of it. I'm going to tell you right now, I was very wrong. <laughs> he stinks this year. <laughs> yep, and that's just how it is. You can get it. Well, the thing I is, I Martin as well, and Martin wanted to hang around and and, and fix it. So I just don't know if Skidera's got the skill set. Yeah, but you know what? To fix it. When when the whole Martin wasn't playing well thing was going down, I never once got on the move Paul Martin train because Paul Martin, you could see in, in his track record, spoke for itself. That's not a guy you move on from. He was having a bad year, but he's still a good player. And Rob Scuderi's ceiling is like the first floor of a building and he needs to be at the first floor, but somehow he's found his way to like the second basement and it's, yeah. and it's just not good. And I, you know, my assessment of the situation in July was way off. And, um, so was, so were the penguins. I'm willing to move on. I hope I, I, I would assume I would hope they, they do as well. And, and, and that's the thing. There's nothing wrong with making errors like that because you, you never actually know. Like, they could have signed Skidari and, and he could have fallen apart. I mean, we kind of forget that he did break his leg and, you know, he'd never really come back properly for, from the broken leg thing. And he might be fine next year. They might trade him off and he's 100% healthy and, and then he's and then he plays well. But you, you don't know. You, you sign someone and you're obviously signing them for either past performance so you've got something to go on or you sign them on potentials what you think they're going to be able to do and there comes a point in, in every player's career where their play doesn't play up to their contract because they've gone past that peak that you've paid for at the premium you, you, you've paid them for and, and Skidari looks like he's got to that point it's just the drop off from the peak that the Penguins are happy to pay for him is probably slid a little bit further than everyone wanted but, but another defender that, like you were just talking about before, I think Brooks, Brooks Orpik may have played his last game in Pittsburgh. Yeah, with the injury, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't um, think he's I don't think he's going to make it back. <laughs> really, some really good years, good service, good Penguin, all that stuff. Um, but time time to move on regardless. Yeah. Uh, let a team like Toronto who <laughs> or Edmonton sign him. Big money. Yeah. You know. Pittsburgh have the assets to replace what he can do in the team. So even Robert Bortuzzo is probably on an yep. equal playing field at this moment. But I'm not so sure. I even want Bortuzzo as one of the top six guys next year. Well, it comes down to how the the, the guys that are in the system are treated. I you know I don't think they've they've treated 
display very well, what are they going to do with the rest of them? Are they going to be as tough on the rest of them in regards to what their expectations are? It just It's a little baffling. They're going to need with, with a slightly alter their, uh, you know, how they view these young players. They got to just let them go. Play them on their entry-level contracts. You got to take advantage of it while you got it. And they're not doing a good job with that right now. It's one of the things that, that people forget is that there are a lot of good players on entry-level deals when the Penguins won the Cup. Absolutely. And, and, and you'll find that with, with any Blackhawks. team that does wins the Cup. The Chicago. Got to win them when they're cheap. <laughs> Chicago won when Taves and Kane were making dirt. Um, everybody has quality players on entry-level deals that contribute to a cup win. And um, last year, the Penguins totally threw that out the window. They, did, they, they didn't want to rely on Bennett or Dupre, and they went out with uh, <laughs> Brennan Morrow and Doug freaking Murray. And since well, actually, Dupree, speaking of speaking of Doug freaking Murray, um, I basically him going in the lineup in Game Five, I think, may have just cost Montreal the series. Or Game Four. He sucks. Well, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's a terrible player. No, no, it's just it's just you get there and you've got, you know, you've got Danny Briere sitting there. Not playing well. Who's a point per play, point per game player, and then you've got Murray there who can't skate, and you just get skated around in circles. It's just, yeah, they don't it's play all, the same position, thing. but it it's still I'm playing this absolute pig who can't possess the puck, who's a 22.2 percent player before tonight. Who knows? That'll probably drop. I know he was on the ice for at least one of the goals tonight. And then you got, like you said, Danny Breer, point per game in the playoffs. When he was with the Flyers, he scored more power play, or not power play, scored more goals than the entire Sabres franchise during that time period, the team that he left. So You'd love, you'd love that stuff. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm, I'm happy for the Sabres right now. I love the potential there. Um, I won't have that animosity towards towards them moving forward. I think it was just more of a Darcy Regeer thing for me. I didn't respect the job that he did, and I didn't like anything they did with him there. But now that he's gone, yep. um, I think, you know, sky's the limit. They got great assets moving forward, Good, good, tons of first-round picks, smart people in charge. So I think it'll be really good. Well, Wiley up, really, when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah. All my friends... You know, I'm recording this from Rochester, New York, Sabres country. All my friends are Sabre fans. I'm happy for them that they'll most likely, in about three years or so, have a product they can be proud to watch. And that hasn't been the case for a long time. I know the Penguins went through some tough times, but they bottomed out and got some assets. The Sabres have been the low end of mediocre, which is probably the worst place you can be in professional sports. You, you get... You sniff that 8 through 12 draft pick where you're not really getting that top-tier game changer. You're just getting kind of a guy that's an NHL player. And you're just good enough to stick with the older veterans that aren't really doing it anymore. So 
but they've abandoned all that, so they, they should be good moving forward. I'm just watching some of the highlights. Subban's good. <laughs> yes, he's kind of what I wish Latang was. <laughs> I I think that's that's the brain though. That's the thing. Subban seems to think the game better than Latang. I think their skill set, like the physical skill set, is almost identical. Yeah, yep. I, I do it's think just it that Subban Subban's just got a better better mental aspect uh, to his game than what um. Latang does at the moment, and look, Latang might learn that. That stuff can be can be taught and, and learnt if you put the effort in on tape and listen to your coaching staff and stuff. So, if Latang matures, he could certainly be that level. But so far, he hasn't sort of proven that he wants to. <laughs> well, I don't know how much more you you can expect him to evolve. Um. He, he may be. He almost it's kind of is where that he is, is what, what he is. is, and yeah, that is still a really. I think he's a great player. I, man, I know it sounds like I beat him up a lot, and I do, but it's because I just have such high expectations for him. Um, and and that physical skill set is just there, and you see it, and you want him to achieve it all. But well, what if, what he's going to be is a terrific even strength player and a terrific penalty killer and a really good number two power play guy. Like probably the best number two power play guy in the league, but everything you just said then is exactly why he keeps getting thrown out on the peep on the power play. You, you you can see the ceiling there, you can see what he could become, and that's why they keep throwing him out there and just hoping that it it, it clicks for him. Correct. And you get there and go, the Penguins have got better options at the moment. You're not playing in the playoffs to develop a guy. Put you, The guys that are going to put you in the best spot to win. And Letang at the moment on the power play doesn't do that. Five on five and PK, he certainly does. Well, the thing I forgot to mention earlier when we were discussing it originally is I think Letang going back to the power play was almost a carrot that Bilesman was throwing him for, for being so great at even strength and on the PK. Like, because yeah, he point. wasn't playing well at at even strength, and then he was great, and then Biles was like, "All right, let's let's reward him for for playing great right now." And I'm not against doing those kind of things. I think that's actually good coaching. Yeah, but at it is. some point, that that when you start to not get the results there, you do have to pull back that that power play initially. Great build up his confidence. He's done power play in the past. It's not like it's a totally new thing for him. But it's been a little little while. The sample size since he's been back on it hasn't been encouraging. Now you got to make the choice to, to peel him back from that and tell him to continue to do the great things he was doing while you gave him the carrot in the first place. He doesn't, he doesn't seem like a sulky a sulky guy. Like if, if they pull back on his time and go, look, we, we want you to be able to do this, but right now you can't. We're going to go with Martin and Niskanen. He doesn't seem like the kind of player that's going to get there and pout and, and let the rest of his game fall apart. I think he's gone past that now. So I don't think the coaching staff should be too concerned. They should sit him down with the video and go, all right, here's what you did. This is what we needed you to do. You didn't quite get it for us. Yeah, We're but by go all accounts, he, he's a guy that studies video 
a ton. A ton. So it's not going to be lost on them that <laughs> it's not going great. Then they just at least they're just going to have to sit him off. Correct, and they have to starting next game. Matt Niskanen had six points in the first round on the power play. He has zero. It hasn't seen it since, has he? No, he has zero now. Uh, Six points is a lot for a defenseman in a playoff series, let alone racking them all up on the power play. Yeah. So Martin had eight in the entire series, didn't he? Yes. He slowed down point production-wise, but he's, he's still killing it. God, he's the thing. I don't, I don't, I don't need, I don't need my back six to score. I just need them to give it to the people that do it. And they've been doing a better job at that. But yeah, I have. How do we get back on the Penguins? <laughs> I forget. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so speaking, speaking of, of injuries, I was all picked. That's what it was. That was my fault. Um, Anderson. I saw that injury in the Ducks. Kings game. I don't know whether he's done an adductor, whether he's hurt his medial ligament. That's one of those injuries where you just watch that and go, he got twisted and all been out of shape real quick, you know, really weird, weird way. And it looked like it hurt. So you've been calling for Josh Gibson. I have. Will they go that way? I'm not sure. They should. They clearly well, I don't seem to trust Hiller. No, I don't know why they. I don't know. I would have started Hiller. I don't know. Sanderson guy seems to be a guy that kind of popped up out of nowhere, and they maybe he played well for a little bit, but Hiller's played played well for the Ducks for a long time. And if they're gonna bail on him, they should go. To Gibson. Gibson's the young guy with a high ceiling. Uh, I don't think age should come into play at these days. We've already talked about it. Let your entry-level yeah. contract guys play. It's, it's Age should have nothing to do with it. Can he play? And I think he can. He, he's played in a few NHL games this year, and his first game was a shutout. <laughs> um, is, it, is it just me, or does bad luck slash bad play in the playoffs by a goalie, follow Bruce Boudreaux around. Why can... Well, yeah, and I think a little bit to do with that is the fact that he just is kind of all over the map with his goaltending decisions. He he bailed on Varlamov, I believe, was it in the Pittsburgh series? Back when they... In 09, when the... Penguins won? Yeah, but they had torched Varley. I would and have pulled him when he pulled him. Is it Neuwirth? That's the thing. Like, It just sounds like it's a revolving door. Well, with... the revolving door continues because Twitter is telling me right now that John Gibson is starting tonight. There you go. Good. Good, good, so, good so move by just, And he may get lit up tonight. Get... I still think it's the right move. <laughs> yeah, well, like you said, you've... It's obvious that they don't want to start Hiller. Uh, um, whatever confidence issues Hiller's had for them to not feel confident in themselves with him because he sort of stumbled into the playoffs and then has stumbled when given the opportunity in the playoffs, you know, over the last couple of years. And, you know, they've walked. I know, I know, you know, Fleury's had his meltdowns and stuff, but 
the Ducks sort of came out of nowhere and died fast last year as well in regards to what happened for their playoff run as well. So maybe they just don't trust him. So they've gone with the young guy, which, like you said, is great for great for Gibson. Well, I, I I like the move. If you're not going to go with Hiller, and you and, and it's clear they're not, and you're going to obviously let him go at the end of the year, why not just hand the reins over to the stud, the young stud that's obviously going to be playing up with the big club next year? Screw it, just go with it. Yep. Honestly, they're not beating the Kings anyway, so whatever. So move on. Yeah. I mean, I know that pretty. Sounds arrogant, but I think the Kings are way better than the Ducks. I think I would have felt the same way if the Sharks were playing them. But um, I like the Ducks, too. I like Gatslife and Perry a lot. So the Ducks win. It's not going to bother me much. I like watching those guys play. I just think think the Kings are great. That's a fun series. I think it's a great series for hockey, too. L.A., L.A., or L.A., Anaheim, whatever. Um, I actually got to attend a few games of the playoffs out in Anaheim during their cup run. First two games against Vancouver. I think one of them was a triple overtime game. Fans were great out there. They were terrific. Uh, I, I just think, uh, hockey's growing into all these non-traditional markets. And I think when you get winning combined with the sport itself, that, the game grows, and I think it's great when you see kind of these playoff matchups that can ratchet up the uh, interest and intrigue for an area, and with the Kings being really good with a recent Stanley Cup, the Ducks having a semi-recent Stanley Cup playing each other, I, th- I think that's a really good thing for hockey. The the other thing about all those sort of non-traditional markets, why would you, as a hockey player, why would you not want to go and play in those cities? <laughs> it's great out there. I can't <laughs> lie. Yeah, and you get there, and you go. I get to, I get to, I get paid a lot of money to be, to be good at a sport that I love to do, and the weather's great. It's a great place. So you know, it's the same down in Florida. It's the same thing down in Florida. You get there and go. Why wouldn't you want to go play down in, in Tampa and stuff like that? The weather's good. It's a nice place. You just get there and go. I don't understand why people are still sort of all all over it in regards oh you don't want to go play down there it's not a sort of traditional hockey market well it will be in 15 years it will be hockey's growing in the united states usa hockey memberships have tripled quadrupled into non-traditional markets since nhl teams have been put there a lot of people bag on gary bettman and give him shit for all that but uh, the game is growing because of his choices to move into these markets and some of them haven't been successful I think the Coyotes should probably pack up and move. But some of them have been really successful. And I think it's been a good thing. I don't think he gets enough credit for that, personally. He won't. He's gone through too many lockouts for anyone to give him credit for anything. I don't I don't disagree with that, but... Um, the credit with credit's due, basically. I, I think he's done more good than bad. I know that's probably not a popular opinion, but I think the lockouts have <laughs> actually helped the game both times. Getting the salary cap oh, the first time was, was huge. Getting the rule changes the first time was huge. And getting cost certainty and all. The last one wasn't as good as the first one as far as logic standpoint. But, you know, 
needed to happen is a business yeah. model. <laughs> the the employees can't make more than the employer totally on a total gross no, income thing. You just can't function that way. No, it, you get there and go, that means that they all have to run out of money at some stage. So, um, <clears throat> Excuse me, I was just, what was I going to say? Because like I was watching Moneyball last night. Okay. You watch baseball and it's the haves v the have-nots. There's no, there's not a lot of skill involved in putting a team together. You just go, screw it, I'll just buy a team. You know, whether you choose to buy it with the, you know, the statistical system or whether you just choose to buy it and buying names and stuff, it's not like in hockey where you've got to try and construct a team and put it together with the numbers adding up to a total, no more than a particular total, and you can't do anything else around that. And I, I think that's much better for the sport. It does give everyone a fighting chance if they want to. Like if the owners want to spend up to the cap, they're still in with a chance. If they don't want to, then they can still have a crack at it, but they're likely to be less successful. I grew up playing baseball, very much enjoyed it. Um, my interest in that sport has um, drastically declined over the past 10 years. A lot of that has to do with my Orioles not being very good, but a, a lot of that, yeah. a lot of the Orioles not being good is they're in with New York and Boston who spend $200 million a year, both apiece. And... I don't know. I not very interested in following a non-salary cap league, to be honest. People that can buy their mistakes out consistently—that doesn't interest me. No, there's no. Yeah, that's right. There's no. Yeah, there's no. Um, it doesn't guarantee you win. The New York Rangers know that from their uncapped years of years. spending. Yeah, that's true. But come on, I mean. If the Kansas City Royals spend huge on a free agent and he's a bust, they're screwed. Yeah. When the Yankees do it, it's just a write-off. Or the Red Sox, or the Angels, or the Dodgers, Cubs. You get what I'm saying. I'm not just picking on yeah. the Yankees and Reds. No, no, no. It's, it's, they're just the easy examples, that's all. So, I've lost interest. Um, I, don't know if I've got, I don't know if I've got much else to cover off of you. Um... Dupre just got a power play assist for the baby penguins. <laughs> oh, they got they got spanked against Providence the other day. It was four zip after about ten minutes. They're up five one right now. Bloody hell! Talk about a swing. Second assist, two assists tonight for Dupre. Call him up. <laughs> he, you know what? He probably England. will run a better power play than Latang, to be honest. They'll, they will put England in before they put. To spray it. No, I know that. We both know that. We both know that. Anybody who's following this knows that. Yeah. That's whatever. No, I don't have much else. Just, uh, you know, trying to hopefully have a good game six, entertaining. Because uh, I don't mind if the Penguins lose, to be honest, as long as it entertains me. I'm, I love watching hockey for entertainment. The last game wasn't outside of Malkin's really nice goal was not very entertaining. Oh, so it, it felt flat to you as well? Yeah, I just like watching good yeah. hockey. Obviously, yeah, but I wasn't, being Penguin-centric, I, was I like out. watching them yeah. as well, but I can watch anybody do well. I, I just love watching good players do good things. Yeah. 
So oh, I can understand that. That's why you watch the sport. It'll be interesting to see Mr. Gibson if he can shut down the the Los Angeles Kings. But he's got a tall task. I think, like I said before, the Kings are uh, pretty good. There's a, there are two teams that, three teams that feel built for the playoffs. And you've got the Blackhawks, the Bruins, and the Kings. They're the three teams that, to me, feel like they're built for the playoffs. As in, just, you can go into a series and you're pretty confident that they're going to spit out the other side. Whereas the rest of the teams that are in, in this is including Pittsburgh as well, just seem to have a larger, larger holes in their roster that can get exposed in seven-game series. Oh, I'll say this. The Blackhawks better make hay, which they might. They, they may win it all again this year. Wouldn't, wouldn't be shocked at all by that. They may indeed be the favorites. Because coming up, Taves and Kane are going to make about 10 mil apiece. They ain't going to be taking hometown discounts. The way the cap structure is now, or the cap rules, you can't bury money anymore. So the stars are going to be paid. You will not be able to hide their cap hits, and Taves and Kane are going to cash out. They're going to have kind of similar issues the Penguins have had by paying Crosby and Malkin 8.7. So yeah, their depth will take a hit. Um, signing Duncan Keith to his contract before in Hosa before the rules came into place was huge. Yeah, getting Crosby signed was huge. Unfortunately for the Penguin, well, not unfortunately, Malkin was on the new CBA. He's making nine point five, but that's a small increase compared to what he was. Taves and Kane yeah, make six right. mil a piece. They're gonna. At, at least, in my opinion, add $8 million in cap space just to retain those two players. You reckon they'll go to 10? Yes. I don't think they will. I think they'll stay under. Not by much. I suppose, what do you, you know, think? Half a mil's, half a mil's not much, is it? I mean, where do you think they'll I just, be? Uh, look, if they're serious about wanting to stick it together... And actually, still be able to win and stuff. You know, I know how early. Oh, we I don't were think saying, they're going to crumble as a franchise. They're, they'll be fine. No, 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 no. What, what I, what I mean is, is you get there and go. You get there and go. Someone that's earning ten mil, you take a million dollars off that. It's still nine mil a year, right? So the percentage of it affecting what they earn over their career is smaller than someone who goes and is earning one mil, and you take two hundred and fifty grand out of that one mil. So to take one for the team when you're earning that much isn't as hard as trying to take one for the team when you're a fourth liner. That's all. So if they want to try and keep the team together, they're going to have to take a larger hometown discount idea um, if they want. If they don't want to, you don't blame them, and that's just how it is. But you, you get there and go, if they want to try and keep this team together as, as it's constructed at the moment, they're going to have to take less. And, and you're right, they probably won't, but if they want to sort of keep it all together, they're going to have to. Yeah. Um, but one thing that is going to happen is that that salary cap is going to be what 69, 69 and a half mil next year. Yeah, I believe so. Within the next four years, it'll be eighty. So not an issue then. They'll be fine. Yeah, everybody will be fine. Pittsburgh's in really good shape, to be honest. 
So I guess the only last thing I'll add is I, I had the Blackhawks beating the Wild in a sweep in a very arrogant pick. Um, so I suppose the Wild have won two more games than I uh, originally were going to give them credit for. <laughs> So. It's been, you haven't watched a lot of that series, you said. It's actually been quite fun. Yeah. It's, it's, um, been, a, it's been a fun series. It's been tougher for me to do the, the... I know they're not on the West Coast, and it hasn't been totally late, but um, I've been tied up doing some other stuff. So the LA Anaheim series, I've been catching period one at the most. Um, yeah. I'll watch a good chunk tonight, being Saturday and all, but... Yeah. Chicago, Minnesota, I, <laughs> I can't lie... I didn't think it was going to be close, so I didn't make like a, a extreme effort to to watch. Oh no, makes makes perfect sense. Um, You've got to sit there and prioritize your I'm, options. I'm, you know, did not gauge that correctly, so I'm going to have to hop on board and enjoy the ride. Yeah, uh, it's good. I mean, it's the thing. Like, a, if Minnesota get a, a lucky bounce uh, in the next game and you know win on the lucky bounce, all of a sudden. Pressure steps under Chicago, and you go, "Holy, holy moly, what's going to happen here?" Or, like, Briz could implode, and it could just be two straight wins, and Chicago go through. So, it's it's fun to watch. It's it's been really interesting in how yeah. how both sides have gone about what they're doing. I mean, I picked Chicago in a sweep. I could care less if Minnesota won. If it's entertaining, that's all I want. Correct. I, yeah, I could give a crap if I'm wrong. I just like to be entertained. That is why we spend our money on this sport. Correct. So. Well, now I'm, I'm flush out. Are you? Oh, yeah, I'm flush. Okay. Well, you can follow me at Gunner Stahl on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Cameron at at Walshy sixty six. You can follow Hockey Hertz at Hockey underscore Hertz. Um, like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, please uh, visit us on iTunes and give us a review if you. Uh, so choose that would help us out a lot um and then last but not least uh mr walsh why don't you tell us how we can get ourselves into better shape via the internet uh, with your services so what i've done is i've created a, an online training product so you can head to the gym yourself do all the training but you can have me um a qualified strength and conditioning coach write up your programs analyze what you're doing um, make sure you're doing it properly We've also got uh, Skype features so we can have face-to-face discussions on what you're doing um, and making sure that you're doing everything properly. It's one of those things where if you've got the motivation to do it yourself, a lot of people don't have the expertise to to do it properly and it's a need that I'm trying to fill. So it's one of those things where I'll walk into a gym and it gets a little frustrating when you see people doing exercises wrong and the gym staff not helping them out because... Well, they're gym staff. That they just want to be there for themselves. So it's one of those things where it would be nice to be able to help you guys out. So if you go and have a look at uh, coachcw.com, um, there's explanations on, on, on how we do it and, and, and what we do for you. So um, go there, have a look, and, um, and let me know what you think. Where can we find you? Uh, coachcw.com. Awesome. Give him a look. He knows what he's doing. So... That does it. We shall see you next week. Enjoy the uh, NHL playoffs. Um, enjoy the Memorial Cup. I, I think that starts this week. And uh, if you're into the AHL stuff, uh, enjoy that as well. So. And remember to wish your mom Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> happy Mother's Day.
Indeed. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing once I get off this is going to do exactly that. Well, you're also Sunday morning right now. Correct. So I got a few hours. I can go get I'm a card get for the uh, the wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, that does it. See you next week. Thanks, guys.